Hello, friends. Welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so excited to hang out with you and with each other. We're going to talk about some yarn stuff and some witchy stuff. And I'm Lauren from Valkyrie Fibers. And I'm Emily from Kitty with a Cupcake. Yay. Sweet. Um, well, we don't really have any news. Things are nice and quiet for us here. And uh, neither of us finished anything this week. But I did get a, a fair amount of knitting in. What about you? Did you uh, have knitting time this week? Yeah, I got I, I did some knitting. Stuff doesn't look that different because I'm doing pretty vanilla things right now. But I did stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Nice. Me too. Let's see. I'll show you my less exciting thing first. Okay. I made some pretty good progress on the ripple crop top. Ooh, it's hands, like but... twice as big as it was. It is, but it is still just a tube of three by three ribbing. So well, it's, it's going to be that exciting. for a long time. Yeah. And that's why I have it because I need a vanilla project because uh, last night I, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of my own hubris lately and I thought I could brioche while watching something exciting and I could not. That's why I have a three by three ribbing for days project. Yeah. But you can see, I got another good two, two inches about done uh, and it's coming along really nicely. I'm excited about it. Yeah. The colors are never come off as good on the camera, but it's really pretty and it's super, super soft. And the only other thing I've been working on is the same as last week. I've been working on my shoe sweet shrug Mm -hmm. and it's looking really good. Ooh, there's some purple appearing. There is some purple finally. And it's because I'm using a faded gradient for my contrast color. Last week, I just separated from the sleeve. So I was right here at this sleeve hole and I've made it a good probably four inches and I'm into my final color, my purple. I can't really show you because it's all bunched up on the needles. I think it's looking really good. My main color is a speckled white, but like, I just love the garter sections. They make me really happy. Yeah, they're pretty. I did do some color management on this. I took out this morning a considerable little chunk here. Who made this gradient? There was just a problem in it. (laughs) I spun this. Uh, (laughs) It was me. I don't know what it was, but there was just a section where it had gone from the nice like yellows into oranges to pinkies to purples. But after it had kind of touched into purple, it started to be kind of orangey yellow again. Uh, So I took out about a golf ball sized ball of it for color management reasons because I wanted it to fade. Yeah, um, you probably just got some fluff that was left behind or whatever and got sucked up into it later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think And it was actually both strands. So I thought like, oh, it won't happen at the same place on both strands. And of course, you know, the yarn gods laugh at you when you think things like that. And that's what happened. But it's fine since this was hand spun. I was able to spit splice it really easy. Nice. So so there's that. And I am solidly in the purple part now, which I think is looking really pretty and fun. And I'm pretty excited about it. I've been Googling, not Googling. I've just been looking up on lots of places like Instagram, uh, other people's projects. And since brioche blocks like lace, I'm considering after I bind off the body, blocking it and then seeing how I want the sleeves to it's be. It's not because, a bad idea because you don't want them to be too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I noticed uh, the way some people's sleeves look like I was scrolling through the hashtags on Instagram and I saw um, Tina Say's one. And hers was nice and drapey and she only needed a short sleeve to make it, uh, they go down the whole length of her arm, whereas other people needed a full length sleeve, just depending on the fit and your gauge and the blocking and all these things. And since with something that blocks big, like brioche, 
I think that's what I'm going to do. It seems like a good idea because otherwise you're just like not going to really know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So there I am with that. And that's all I've been knitting on. What have you been working on? I've been working on my sock set shawl, which I haven't named yet. Um, mm-hmm. In my town with an ocean view, big little yarn co colorway. Mm-hmm. It's pretty big now. It like is bigger than the needle. So it's all bunched up. Oh my goodness. It's so big. Yeah. I've got this much of this main color left. So. Oh, you've used up quite a bit. Are you going to go until it's almost all gone? Yeah. I think I'm probably going to like leave 10% of it just so this official size of the shawl Mm -hmm. leaves enough wiggle room for people. Mm -hmm. Because if people have significantly, I'm a trick I do when I design something is I am knitting this on a larger size needle than I will call for in the pattern. Mm-hmm. A way to help with my tight gauge, but I still leave 10% of the yarn uh, mm-hmm. just in case people like really don't check their gauge, uh, which they're not going to for a shawl. And I know that, uh, but I want to <laughs> do that because I want to make sure that they don't run out of the mini for the border part, because if that- I use like all of it and people were 10% bigger than me, then they could really run out of that mini later. So mm-hmm. that's clever mm-hmm. and also too that'll leave you some for for scrappy projects yeah leftovers. it'll go in my scrap zone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice yep nice which i have been working on my granny stripe crochet blanket just as like a mm-hmm. comfort project i'm not pulling it out because again it looks the same as it always does but mm-hmm. that's been fun and then this is my sock which isn't that much further than you saw it last time, um, but I am past the gusset now and onto the full foot, which this is, is sock my- one or sock two? Sock one. This is my nice. t- Tomorrowland's Regia socks. They're very cheerful. Yeah, they're nice. They are going slower than socks that I've been doing recently because that shawl is so vanilla that I don't really like need the uber vanilla socks as much. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So that's what I've been working on. Woo. I also Yay. redecorated my whole bedroom. So semi-finished really object. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It must feel nice to have a functioning ceiling again. It is nice to have a functioning ceiling. And there's a light in there now. I know. Wow. <laughs> oh, modern comforts. Yes. Nice. Nice. So acquisitions then. Did you get anything cool? Uh, I got a new humidifier. No, I, uh, I haven't gotten anything cool. No, <laughs> got a whole bunch of cool stuff. So you actually sent me a package that I received. I was very excited. I won't I talk did. about, I won't talk about the repeat thing. I also got a Jedi holocron from Disney world. Um, and Emily was kind enough. She let me pick out a, a Kyber crystal color and I picked white and, and mine turned out to be an Ahsoka crystal. And that Yay. was really fun. I've been enjoying playing with it. It makes noises. Hooray. But you also got me a little Agretsuko lip gloss, which I've been using. It's shaped like a macaroon. It is shape, shaped like a little macaroon. I was thinking when it was gone, I could use this as a stitch marker or a place to keep. Um, I had the same thought. I was like, this would be a cute container after it's done being a lip gloss. Yeah. Or I could keep herbs in there, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Wink. <laughs> and then you also got me something really cool that I'm excited about. And it's this puzzle. 
Yeah. It is just a color gradient puzzle. It's a thousand piece puzzle from um, Clemens Habicht. German. I don't speak German, but it's a thousand piece puzzle. That's just a color gradient. Yeah. It's going to be really hard. And each piece is a different color. So it's not like they blend in. So yeah. Visual cues are going to be very challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, my sweetie and I are going to crack it open and give it a shot this weekend. Ooh, I'm excited it. to see you build it. Yeah. It's yeah. this company that makes that there are other spectrum puzzles, but this company mm-hmm. is like ours is better because all of the pieces shift in hue. So mm-hmm. you're not here. It's supposed to help you be able to put it together. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How is that supposed to help you? Well, I think because if there are many pieces that are exactly the same color, then you get like mm-hmm. swaths where you're like, this could be any piece because it's all just solid color. But because of the subtle mm-hmm. gradient, you can see like, oh, this blue and this blue don't quite match up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Christian's favorite thing to do with puzzling is sorting. Oh, well, so. he's going to have a grand time. <laughs> oh, I know. Mm-hmm. I was looking up reviews, so I was like, as, as excited as I am about this, I'm like, how hard is this going to be? Is this mm-hmm. something that, like, Christian and I can attempt together? Um, he's a very, we're both very recreational puzzlers, but he is less into it than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking up reviews and things, and there's a lady that, she, well, she had a whole puzzle YouTube channel, so I'm assuming she's quite good and quite an aficionado, but she said she did it in two hours, and I was like, <gasps> That's fast. I can't do like a regular picture puzzle that's a thousand pieces in two hours. I know. <laughs> I know, but uh excited to give it a shot. I also received another gift from a friend. This will crack you up. It cracks me up. I got a little mini fanny pack with little possums on it. Look that's awesome. There's little babies riding on the mom. Cute. And there's lots of babies hanging off of the trees. Oh my gosh. It's really, and it's just like a really slim little fanny pack. It's more of like a, a hip pouch than anything. And it's from Sipsy Wilder. And I looked them up. They're a woman owned company, which is nice. They have a pocket in the back that would lay against your body for more secure items. And then there's a little grommet in here for um, your headphones to go in and out of. I was just like, could this be a knitting bag? It looks a little slim. It does look a little slim. Definitely is. But I thought that this would be really nice for when I take the dog for a walk in the summer and I don't have pockets. Just slip my phone in here. Definitely. Doggy bags and the such. And then... My friend also put in a little possum sticker. Cute. Goblin life. (laughs) Those are the things I got. Yay. Sweet. Well, I guess we can talk about Occult Corner now. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about the next upcoming pagan holiday, which is Imolk. Yeah. On February 1st. Mm -hmm. So you want to kick us off? Yeah, it's one of the four Gaelic seasonal festivals, along with Beltane, Ludnasad, and Samhain. Uh, so it's one of the big bonfire uh, festivals in Gaelic culture. Uh, and it starts the evening of February 1st and runs into the evening of February 2nd, like all of those uh, festivals. Mm-hmm. They're nighttime things. And it symbolizes the transition from winter into spring. Nice. Yes. And it's one of the cross quarters, which is the days uh, that mark the halfway point between an equinox and um, 
solstice. Yes. And it honors Bridget, who is one of our reoccurring themes on this podcast. She's a trifold goddess. Uh, So she has like three different aspects, the maiden, the mother and the crone. Uh, And she's a goddess of smithcraft, healing and poetry. Uh, She also watches over cows and she will help cows find their way back to their owners if they are lost. And she's in her maiden form at Imolk. And in Old Irish, Bridget means exalted one. And in Gaelic, it translates to fiery arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also credited with the very first keening, which yeah. is, yeah, so she invented keening, which is the traditional wailing for the dead practiced at funerals by Irish and Scottish women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this time of year, this specific pagan festival is the start of like horny season. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> into crazy. horny season, friends. <laughs> yeah, colloquially, it's like the, the year is split into two halves, horny season and spooky season. And pretty much from Imolk through what the summer solstice or a little after, that's when it's all like fertility, crops, earth, warming. And then after that, it's all like spooky, liminal space, spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots Dark of gods birth versus death kind of themes going on with the spooky like season it. and the horny season. Mm-hmm. It's a great little, it's a great flow of the year. And I think it's pretty rad. Um, there's definitely some, it's not like technically the start of spring. Cause isn't the start of spring uh, um, the next one or more in a couple months. It's the, the conception it's like, of spring. Yes. Right? Yes, that's true. It is. It, it, Bridget conceives the season of spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in a lot of different uh, Western cultural practices around this time of year, there's a big uh, combining of both masculine and feminine fertility rites, which I think is pretty interesting. And another thing that comes up a lot is um, the spring cleaning and the weather divinations. Mm-hmm. The spring cleaning is kind of just, that just is what it is. I couldn't find too much more else on that. Well, it just seemed to be. It was maybe connected to you have to keep your house so closed during the winter to keep the heat in and like Mm -hmm. ash gets all over the place because you're heating your home with your fire. So like naturally when it's warmer, you sweep and clean a bunch of stuff because there's ash all over your house. Mm -hmm. But it's like both internal and external cleaning. It's like kind of like a purification for yourself and an intention setting time just to think about what you might want to think about for the upcoming season. Mm -hmm. And I do like all the weather divining things that go on. It's the root of our modern Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. Um, Yeah. So that one's related to another Celtic deity, which is the Kaliak, which we've talked about before. She's the old hag of winter. And like, yes, she brings uh, the winter, which is a time of death and destruction, but she also um, cares for the animals of the forest. And the weather divination myth about her is that on February 2nd, was it February 1st? Anyway, I think it's February 2nd, which of course, modern Groundhog's Day. If it's sunny out, she'll be out collecting firewood because it's going to be a long winter. And if it's cloudy, she's sleeping and not collecting firewood because it is uh, going to be an early spring, Mm. which is exactly the same as the groundhog. If it's sunny out, he sees his shadow and a shadow is there to be seen. Mm -hmm. So uh, that means six more weeks of winter versus if it's cloudy, there's no shadow to be seen. So that means an early spring. Nice. 
I saw a different kind of weather predicting tradition from Scotland uh, mm-hmm. where they they construct like a small bed for Bridget to sleep in mm-hmm. and they put uh, like a uh, little thing made out of like wheat sheaves or whatever that like represents her and they'll put a wand in there. And some mm-hmm. people say that the wand is her wand that she uses to make spring come back. And some people say that it's a pre-epic wand that's meant to symbolize a phallus. Um, <laughs> but after they do that, uh, the next day they like sweep away the ashes of the fire and they look for like some sort of mark to indicate if Bridget came and slept in the bed and that kind of also predicts like the harvest and the weather of the next season so there's a bunch of different <laughs> of these like prediction things going on for, at different cultures mm-hmm. nice that's really interesting as people who've been listening to this a while now I really love Roman history so I definitely dug into the Roman uh, traditions around this time, which is um, Februaria and Lubricalia. And those happen more around uh, February 14th, like basically the, I want to say the 13th or the 15th, something around early, you know, early mid-February. And it's kind of like a pairing of of the same things in the other traditions we were talking about. Lubricalia, or no, let me start off with um Febrilia. And that's kind of either about the god Febris, who I don't know too much about, or Juno. And it's uh, it's the similar aspects to Juno that is in Bridget, like the home, the hearth, the cleaning, uh, the family. And Febris, which um, may or may not be like the root of fever, more <laughs> like, and so those are like uh, during the Febrilia stuff, it's more about purification, purification of the home and like internal purification, like meditation. And maybe with this like uh, Febris fever stuff, like sweating it out or purging. Mm-hmm. And they think that some of that may come from Greek uh, cultural traditions, which would make total sense because the Romans were incredibly unoriginal and stole everything from the Greeks because they were total like fanboys of everything Greek. So there's like that aspect of it. But then there was Lupercalia, which concluded on February 15th, which is a pretty funny one. That is definitely like a heavy fertility rights thing. So Lupercalia, I'm sure you noticed the root lupus in there. Uh, Romans love wolf stuff because their two founders, Romulus and Remus, were reared by the she-wolf. They're into that. So on Lupercalia, they do all this cool stuff to venerate the the cave near the Lake Tiber, where they believe that Romulus and Remus were nursed by the she-wolf. They do like goat and dog sacrifices. Um, Then here's the fun part to like young noblemen or something back in the day, they would go through the Lupercalia rituals of sacrifice and they get some blood smeared on their head and there were like ritual things to be done. But then they cut up the goat skins from the goat that had just been sacrificed into like little strips. They'd strip naked, get absolutely smashed and run through the streets, hitting people with their goat hides. And that was the thing. And um, it was thought uh, to uh, if a woman was struck with these, if she was pregnant already, it would be a, a good uh, marker or omen for an easy birth and like a successful, healthy pregnancy. And if a woman was trying to become pregnant, like it was a, it was a good fertility ritual to go through for someone who wished to be pregnant. Wow. And, um, <laughs> but of course, having drunk, naked young men running through the streets, hitting people, like I'm sure disastrous things happened. I would like to believe that 
only women, well, only people that wanted to be hit in this in the street by a drunk naked guy would go into the street. Like lots of people say that it was of like a less consensual activity with like women being forced to be hit in the street. But I'd like to believe that uh, if you had no interest in having your fertility blessed, you just stayed in your house. <laughs> what a time. <laughs> it was definitely a time of revelry and a fertility right involving like that sort of like stereotypical heterosexual union. And it became, in addition to these like specific rituals that were important to Roman culture with the sacrificing and the kind of hearkening back to their founding fathers, it definitely, as the centuries went on, became a big party day. And that that big, like, drunken, horny partying definitely continued into the Christian era. And close to around 500 uh, CE, Pope um, Gelasius I was like, all right, enough. We can't be having Christians running around naked and drunk in the streets anymore. <laughs> like, we're done with this. We are not celebrating Lubricalia anymore. You're going to have St. Valentine instead. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we are today. Nice. Solid. We have Cupid's and Valentine's cards and not. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, it's probably for the best that we don't have don't have naked drunk guys hitting people in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun though. It's a fun one. Roman Lupercalia, which was their uh, February uh, awakening of spring fertility ritual. Nice. Festival. So yeah. speaking of Christians, um, as we know, Ireland was Christianized, uh, and St. Bridget is a Christianized version of Bridget the goddess. And uh, she's one of the three patron saints of Ireland, uh, so she's a big deal even today in Irish Catholicism. And she's renowned for her charity to the poor and stories about her healing powers, She's also a friend of St. Patrick because, you know, you got to get all those main saints being buddies or what's even the point. Mm -hmm. And sh she started preaching at an early age and she was Ireland's first nun, according to the Catholic folklore. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, she probably wasn't a person, right? They they like mm -hmm. came over there and they were like, no, you guys, you can't you can't have this pagan Bridget celebration thing going on. So we're just going to make her a nun instead <laughs> of like a goddess. Yeah. And they make Bridget's crosses uh, on St. Bridget's Day. And it's usually a cross that consists of rushes that are woven into a four armed equilateral cross. Um, sometimes there are three armed crosses and they're hung over doors windows and stables uh, for protection against fire, lightning, illness, and evil spirits. And those nice. crosses are generally less left until the next St. Bridget's Day when they make hmm. a new one. Huh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So those Christians taking, taking the stuff again, doing the things and the stuff. And a lot of the St. Bridget's and like in Mulk celebrations have like really enmeshed and become one. And we don't like suit like there's a lot of guessing at what is like really the traditional like ancient Irish like Celtic celebration and what is the Christian St. Bridget's Day. So there's some guessing and meshing that goes on between those two things. Yeah, but the more we learn about these things, the more it, it seems to me like everything is built on top of the layer before it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So everything all kind of meshes together, like the Romans doing all this wild stuff. It wasn't necessarily their idea. They're building on top of the foundation set by the Greeks and the Etruscans, who were the native inhabitants of the Italian peninsula. So there's just all that stuff. We build cultural foundations atop one another, just like in real houses and archaeology. They just keep going on top and on top and then meshing. And it's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have some modern emulk practices that uh, you could try if you would like to celebrate this year. Um, nice. Spring cleaning, like we talked mm-hmm. about, it's part of it traditionally. You can clean up your home, clean up your altar space. You could do like a symbolic sweeping to sweep away negative energy. Um, you can also spring clean your spirituality, maybe like get rid of some toxic habits, detach yourself from destructive relationships, maybe take a second to think about some thoughts that no longer serve you and try and like expunge yourself of those. Uh, and you could mm-hmm. use smoke or candle flame to represent the bonfires for Bridget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing you could potentially do is bake something. Uh, and leave it as an offering for Bridget. Uh, oat cakes are kind of tasty. If you want to try baking those, they're Irish and yummy. And you can plant seeds by setting your intentions for the rest of the year. Uh, oh. so, so take a second to like maybe write down some goals and think about some things you'd like to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If you're real wild and it's a party of people who are informed and consenting, you can get drunk and naked and Hit, hit each other with uh, goat skins. That too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but now you should probably just think about your intentions and a spring cleaning of some sorts, whether it be physical or spiritual. Or a little Maybe bit sweep your house while you're naked to incorporate both versions. <laughs> no, I think that's probably, yeah, my goodness. <laughs> Ancient people. They were a lot of fun. (laughs) Are you planning on doing anything? I am cleaning my house just because of the renovations that were happening. So like kind of I am going to clean my altar a bit because there's this bookshelf in front of it right now. So I can't really get to it and it's kind of a mess. So I'm going to do a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll probably do a very superficial cleaning and think it might be a good idea to clean out my little uh, witch cabinet back here. Just take everything out, dust it, put it back in. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that, that's going to be my plan for it. Nice. Sweet. Anything else or is that it? I think that's it. Nice. Well, that was a really fun discussion and we don't really have any promotion or anything this week. I guess the only thing is uh, we're hosting through the Fiber Coven Discord, my there and back again knit along. I guess I should call it a make along because it's not just knitting. Mm-hmm. If you do any sort of fibery project, um, knitting, spinning, weaving, felting, anything like that, and it's themed uh, with J.R. Tolkien's work, be it in the yarn or the design or the pattern. It qualifies for prizes, and you can check all that out on a public post on our Fiber Coven Patreon. And if you're looking for any of our stuff, if you're looking for my yarns or Emily's patterns or for our Patreon, just go to FiberCoven.com, and you can find all the pertinent links to finding us around the internet. Yay. Yay. Great. So until next week, Coven, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye. Bye.